Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the Pac-12 commissioner search. So I've kind of like I followed along. I've read the headlines. I've sometimes gone a little bit deeper than that. But for the most part, I've kind of figured there's enough going on. And, And by the time we know who the next commissioner is, what will we have missed? You know, if we just jump in when somebody says, hey, next Pac-12 commissioner is this guy, that's fine with me. If it were the offseason, which I guess now we're getting into it and now we're talking about it, things are different. You know, if it was a search going on in July, we're looking for some something to talk about, sure. But we had spring football. We had a tournament run. We had uh, the, the cool soccer stuff, the draft stuff with Mustafa. and Actually, not with Mustafa. Crazy crazy that Mustafa not only doesn't get drafted but also I'm going to double check that nothing's happened today but I don't believe he's been picked up as an undrafted free agent um maybe had a workout with the Jets was it um yeah within the next couple days he's going to have a workout with the Jets but yeah just just crazy to me that Mustafa not only was not drafted but there's probably been what 10 10 free agents per team signed from this draft class and he wasn't among them either um tough to rationalize i guess it's probably more like seven eight per team um but still that is just baffling at the same time and i don't think we even mentioned this yesterday which is my bad but uh will sherman headed to the patriots he's a six round draft pick that's a great place to go obviously nate solder went there wow look at this tangent though look at this tangent already off topic um Seriously, good to see Will Sherman get a chance. Um, Just have to keep hoping that Mustafa does as well. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, like seriously, with this commissioner stuff, it's like, yeah, if we don't follow every like move that happens, that's just fine because we're going to use that time talking about football instead. Now that it's over and I've kind of ran back through and looked at some things, it does not does not sound like things are going all that great. Um. We're going to jump in, and guess who we're going to be talking a lot about today? Our friend John Wilner. We love doing that because he has all sorts of good reports, great reports, about what's going on, um, is in touch with what's going on in the Pac-12 as anybody out there. And yeah, he's written a couple of things that I thought were pretty interesting, and we're going to jump into those in just a second. First of all, 
So, uh, the Colorado XOs, the presenting sponsor of this podcast, what are they? They're a rugby team, a 5-1 and one rugby team in their first season playing just across town in Glendale, Colorado. Um, they, they work out the same facility as the U.S. national teams, and the goal is to get some of the players who are on their team onto the U.S. national team. Um, what makes that so difficult, though, is that the players on their team oftentimes have not played rugby before. They're very good athletes who played more traditional sports in the United States, and now that their career is, you know, done for whatever reason, they're going to give rugby a try because it's it's easier to be one of the 15 best American rugby players than one of the 15 best NFL players, um, if, if, if that's not a surprise. So, uh... Yeah, if follow along with the DMVR Rugby podcast. Follow along with the DMVR Rugby Twitter account, the written content at thedmvr.com. It's great stuff from Colton Strickler, and it's fun. Okay, so um, there's there's a, a lot of directions that we could go. Um, here's what we need to know. So... The goal was to get a replacement figured out by right about now. Um, They they wanted to get somebody figured out sometime in early May so that they could work with Larry Scott over the course of the month of May and then take over in June when his contract expires. Let's just jump into those dates first of all. so, John Wilner said the odds of a commissioner being named before May 17th, 5-2. to two. So, that means that there's a 2-in-5 chance. No, I guess that isn't exactly it. It's 2-in-7 chance, which is a 1-in-3.5 chance, which is like uh, 40%. Let's call it 40% chance. It is 40 <laughs> Okay, so 40% chance that... Uh, they have one figured out by May 17th. That's 12 days from today. No, 13 days. Today's not Cinco de Mayo. Um, interesting stuff. From there, though, from there, though, oh, and I should say, the reason why, and this is all from the Wilner Hotline, which gets gets rebroadcast, or not rebroadcast, but but printed in all sorts of different newspapers um, across the West. Um, and he said that the reason why he chose the 17th is because that is when the Pac-12 presidents are going to hold their annual spring meeting. Um, he, he says, like, we don't believe a vote is on the agenda, but the meeting itself provides us with a benchmark and just might lend internal urgency to the process. He also uh, threw another date out there, and he said, commissioner named after May 31st. 100 to 1. Um, so does not think that this will be extending into June. He does think that we'll get an answer. Although, who that person will be is very much up in the air. Um, He did say, like, basically, that would be if everybody falls apart and there's uh, chaos and all that kind of stuff. So let's, uh, let's kind of jump in with the top of this search so what uh what the pac-12 wants to do and this isn't going to come as a surprise is find the best possible commissioner um and it's tough to predict who exactly that is because it's it's a job that can kind of be similar to some other jobs but it really is a, a unique position um 
they hired their uh, the the firm that's conducting the search, trying to find um, the the best candidates for them to pick from. Uh, it's called like Turnkey, I think. And not much has gotten out. We don't have all that many details. I guess that's like the reputation of this firm is that they keep everything under wraps. Um, whatever. The point is, we don't know exactly who the Pac-12 is after. But we do have some pretty decent guesses. And what can be really disappointing is how many of the decent guesses that the, the, the people we would expect the Pac-12 to be targeting, how many of them have said, actually, no, I'm not interest, interested. Um, start with Gene Smith, for example. Um, Gene Smith, he's the athletic director at Ohio State. He's done a bunch of other good things in his career, but the fact that he is the athletic director at Ohio State, you know, they made all the college football playoffs, their basketball program's in great shape. They're, they're doing a lot of things very well at Ohio State right now. And so, of course, the athletic director would be somebody who, at least as outsiders, you would expect to be targeted during this search. Um, well, Gene Smith, the Ohio State athletic director, has, you know, dropped out. He's said that he's not interested. Um, same thing with Alabama's athletic director. Same thing with uh, the, the West Coast Conference commissioner, uh, Gloria Navarez. She's another one that's seen as like an up-and-comer. Um, and then finally, Amy Brooks, who is a senior executive with the NBA. She does a bunch of important stuff um, at the, the top levels there. But she also, I believe, was a basketball player at Stanford and has some other connections to the Pac-12. So she was another one that you looked at as, hey, this is you know an, an up-and-comer, somebody who would be seen rightly or wrongly as probably a home run hire. There have been a lot of people dropping out of this search. Um, you know, there's there have been some other concerns reported by John Wilner. Uh, things about like, hey, who's really deciding who should be the, the commissioner? And the answer is it's a lot of the presidents. Um, you know, from CU, they've got, uh, I think, Phil DeStefano is involved, the chancellor. And... Uh, Again, according to John Wilner, not a whole lot of football knowledge, and he thinks that that may potentially be something ugly that's going on. Um, and it's kind of gotten to the point where, you know, the, there were the reports that the Pac-12 was considering a, a two-commissioner type of system, where maybe there's one who's in charge of the like business side of things, one who's more, you know, comes comes from like a, a campus background is maybe like a, an athletic director. And so you have somebody who can kind of like make sure things are going on well at the schools. Somebody who really is focused on, you know, the media rights deal, the the sponsorships, things that bring in a lot of money. Um, John Wilner today uh, put out a, it's a column, I guess. And the point of the column is putting odds on who the next commissioner is going to be. And he starts it off by saying, you know, I, I, we have held off on doing this for so long, but now is the time to say, here, here are the favorites. Here's what else could possibly happen. And the, the two commissioner solution is a, you know, it, I think he said 20 to one. It's a 5% chance. And I think that that makes sense because, you know, when you think about it, so 
you're trying to get, again, going back to this thing that's really dumb that you have to say, but it's what this is all about. You want to get the best possible commissioner. Well, do you do that by saying, okay, we're actually going to get the two best possible commissioners and we're going to pay you both full salary, you know, what you'd expect to give to the best possible commissioner, you know, six million a year maybe is what it is. Or do you say, hey, we can give you guys both half of the pay and just ask you to do half the job. And that's that's not going to work either. And so then to me, it feels like you wind up in this spot where it's like, well, we're not going to be offering top dollar for either of these positions. If, if things go well, then maybe we can get kind of close to it. But you just wind up taking, you're trading a first round pick for two second round picks. And what you need is just for one person to be good at the job. So why not take the first round pick? Um, the, the the reason why maybe right now would be the time for a conference to try the two commissioner thing would be because of what I just mentioned, because those would probably be the two roles. Somebody who really does understand what's going on in campus, which again, according to Wilner and the sources Wilner has talked to, that's where all of this comes from. That has not been the, the feeling that, athletic directors have had is that Larry Scott is super in touch with what is actually happening and what he is actually governing. Um, and, and so when you have that push, it would make sense that you want somebody who comes from a college sports background. When you also have a media rights deal coming up, it would make sense for you to want somebody, you know, some people have said from a, a sports media background, some have just said from a sports business background. Um, and, and that combination kind of makes sense. At the same time, I've, I've laid out why I don't think it would work. It's very similar to why John Wilner said that he doesn't think so. Gave it 20 to 1 odds. But let's, let's run through um, a few of these. Now, I'm going to start by saying something really disappointing. There are only two names. Well, there's actually three names. Um, but he has one name, a second name. And then three mystery candidates, mystery candidate X, mystery candidate Y, mystery candidate Z. We're going to start with mystery candidate Z because that is the longest odds, according to Wilner, at 50 to 1, 2% chance. Um, he said this would be someone from outside college sports, outside professional sports, and outside sports media. This would be Condoleezza Rice. This would be a Nike executive. So, yeah. Like, there is a chance that they totally just get weird here. Condoleezza Rice, honestly, I'd be interested. Like, it's a weird thing. And without getting, like, into the politics of it all, which is one of those weird things. She's associated with some things. Half the people are going to dislike her. Half the people are going to like her. Maybe that's just where we are right now. Maybe she came in just before that, and there's there's a middle ground. Uh, I'm not in a place where I'm betting on there being a huge middle ground but the, but the point is Condoleezza Rice she was on the college football playoff committee she's a big sports person obviously her her achievements in American government are impressive um who knows like it does seem like it would be a bad idea but I do also think that there's a real chance that's just a, a really good idea and I don't know the point is it's, it's a risk Nike executive same thing like sure maybe I don't know um Mystery candidate Y, 8 to 1. Uh, so 12.5%. Uh, 
Candidate Y would be someone from the professional sports, sports business, or sports media worlds. Yeah. I mean, kind of makes sense. Makes sense. Um, that also leaves out one of the candidates ahead who fits that category, and he made a note. I'm not going to give you the name yet, but this is like another guy like him, but not him. Um, and, and the final mystery candidate, mystery candidate X, the best odds, five to one odds. Here's what he has to say. Lacking any desire to engage in unfettered speculation, but presuming there are several candidates under serious consideration, will offer a series of models. Oh, he's explaining the whole thing. Oh, here it is. Candidate X would be a heavy hitter from the world of college sports, either an athletic director from a powerhouse school or a high-ranking conference executive. Yeah, and I think if you were to, to, to think of all those things, like what do you expect most out of these three? Um, an 80 from power five school slash high ranking conference executive, or a person from professional sports, sports business, or the sports media world, or somebody from outside college sports, outside professional sports and outside sports media. I feel like five to one for the first eight to one to the second 51 for the third all adds up to me. Now let's get into the two names that, uh, Wilner threw out there. Um, Randy Freer is one of them um, at seven to two. So one in three and a half or 40%. As we learned earlier, these, these number things are weird. These no, you just, it's seven to two. Um, so he said he's actually, so Randy Freer, he, he was in charge of Fox sports. He was in charge of Hulu. Um, Obviously, those sorts of experiences make you think that he would be somebody you would want involved in negotiating a billion-dollar TV deal. Yeah, that adds up to me. Um, maybe a little bit of a lack of sports background. Again, if, if you're going with two combinations, I think, or a combination of two, I think this could kind of make some sense. Um, but... What Wilner said in here that was really interesting is, well, I'll just read it. A hotline investigation last summer based on internal emails showed the Pac-12 presidents and a small group of advisors discussed hiring Freer as a consultant, quote, to be engaged in the assessment of the Pac-12 media rights and contract issues. Um, and as Wilner puts it, in other words, to review and judge Larry Scott's job performance. So, again, this this is an interesting name to, to throw out there, especially because according to Wilner, at least this is how the PAC 12 presidents see him is somebody who his opinion matters. And if he says this last media rights deal that you guys made was bad for this reason and this reason, it didn't work because of this. And if you had done this differently, you might be in a different place. Well, then all of a sudden you're like, well, wait, why don't you just do the next one? And the fact that they, trusted his opinion enough to be willing to pay him as a consultant consultants make a lot of money um it means that they value his opinion and who knows maybe he is somebody who they bring in because the media rights deal is what's most important it absolutely is and there's a lot of other things that are important as well but if you have more money a lot of those things go away you know, and there's just such a 
such a variance in the potential outcomes of this next media deal that, you know, it, it could be the difference of 10, 15 million dollars a year per school in terms of what they are having to work with. And if you give CU another $15 million a year to work with, what even happens? What even happens? I mean, do you start by putting iPads in everybody's locker? I wouldn't. But if you did, guess what? I, I bet that that's one more four-star recruit, maybe two more four-star recruits, that that is the final piece that wins them over. And, and maybe it's other recruiting upgrades. Um, maybe it's going to the sound system, doing that kind of stuff for fans. Um, maybe they're investing it into other sports, you know, trying to, trying to build up this women's basketball program, give them a whole bunch of assets, build a a whole nother facility if they wanted to. Although, I mean, the facilities are so good right now. It doesn't seem like there's too much more that needs to be done. Um, I mean, add a baseball team. I'm not sure what the average like college baseball budget is. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's a decent chunk, you know? It just opens up so many different doors. I mean, how much do you pay coaches? You know, again, this nothing against Carl Durrell. Carl Durrell, I think, is going to be a very good coach, and I think he's already showed the signs of that so far in his time in Boulder. But, you know, if if you are now saying, you know what, let's let's just blow half this money, let's just double the contract of our head coach, what do you get with $10 million, $12 million? You know, you're not, you're not pulling Saban away from Bama, but you might be pulling somebody away from somewhere. And again, there's just so many different ways that you can go with the money that whatever problems you have, isn't that kind of crazy though? I mean, it's just America, I guess. Your problems can be solved with money. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. Um, at least most often, not always, but a lot of the time. Um, uh, so that one is interesting to me because, again, I, I do think that the media deal is what's important. It is. You need to be in front of people because even that, like like we talk about what that means financially, just having more Pac-12 games in good windows on premier networks means more people are going to watch. And the more people that watch CU, the more people are going to fall in love with them. Also, more people are going to hate them, but that those people never factored in in the first place. Um, and that helps in recruiting. That helps in getting people out to the stadium for games. That helps in so many different ways. So, I don't know. I, I understand why there'd be a lot of frustration on the part of athletic directors if this was the route that they went, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um... He also did bring up some some of the sports background for for Freer, saying um, he was integral in reforming the Big East. He oversaw Fox Sports media rights partnership with USC. Um, he has high level connections throughout college sports. I don't know. I'm kind of winning me over. Here's the other name though, and this one again. I I must just live in a little bit of a bubble, but Oliver Luck, the father of one. Andrew Luck. Um, it, f- it feels like once every like nine months or so, I I've hear about like Andrew Luck's dad and all the things he does. And it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like he was the commissioner of the XFL, president of NFL Europe. He was the 
athletic director at West Virginia. And, you know, those things just kind of pop up. Now, obviously, commissioner of the XFL, president of NFL Europe, athletic director at West Virginia, that's a nice, pretty broad base in terms of having a sports background. Now, you have the on-campus piece but by, you know, being an athletic director. The commissioner of the XFL is an interesting one. Maybe even most interesting because it, it didn't work. <laughs> but uh, the president of NFL Europe, you know, another exploratory, how do we get people to watch these games while also working within the structure of the NFL, a very successful league. Um, he was also the executive president of regulatory affairs for the NCAA. This is the time when that's the kind of thing that gets important, too. You know, there's there's all the debates about name, image, likeness, and all those sorts of things. Um, athletes' rights, and I I don't think that this is like, oh, they got nil. Now the student athletes are happy. It does feel like this is more of a a turning point than a conclusion of this whole saga. Um, we don't need to go down that road right now. But because I do think that that is the truth, there is some appeal to having somebody with some experience there. Um, yeah, anything else interesting in there before I go off on my tangent? Uh, they've just mentioned the clout within college sports. Um, you know, as one Pac-12 source told the hotline recently, we need someone with juice in college sports. And, and he has that. And for things like the college football playoff, that's something Wilner brings up. Pac-12 hasn't been getting teams in. There's a big push for there to be an expanded playoff. You'd think the conference that struggled to get teams into the to the four-team playoff might be pushing that hard. Well, this is a guy who can kind of go to bat for you on this kind of thing and have some people will listen people will listen you know with the nfl everybody always talks about like jerry jones like whatever jerry jones wants he's gonna be able to convince everybody else to vote for and oliver luck he's he's been around he knows people and i don't think that that would be a bad decision um with all that stuff though again i still do think that the media deal is what is most important and i honestly don't think that's that hot of a take and uh, it's good that the Pac-12 wants to be involved in the NIL thing, and they absolutely should be involved. At the same time, I almost think that for you to be super involved in things like that, you, you, you need to have all your ducks in a row. You know, right now is the time to, if, if you are sitting on a great meteorites deal right now, then yeah, throw your resources at trying to figure out what is, you know, the best for student-athletes, of course, but what is best for the Pac-12 when it comes to that stuff? What is best for the Pac-12 when it comes to expanding the college football playoff or, you know, the, the transfer rules that, that keep changing or the uh, transfer portal, which I, I do think at some point is going to get tweaked because college coaches are going to want some of their power back, um, right or wrong. And in a lot of cases, somebody's trying to get their power back. The answer is wrong. Um but with all that kind of stuff, you know, you don't get to pick a commissioner right now who's somebody who you think is going to do really well at that sort of thing. Because right now, you you haven't set yourself up well enough to have a seat at those tables. 
Like, of course, they're always going to have a seat at those tables. But you got to go make your money. You got to make your more. You got to go make your money. That's what the truth is to me. Um, and then once you have that figured out, then yeah, throw your resources at what do our coaches want with the transfer portal? Let's go talk to every one of our coaches. Then let's go talk to the NCAA and basically repeat what our coaches said and try to make things easier for them. How how is the national college football scene slanted away from the West Coast? What is doing that? Now, there's a bunch of pieces, obviously, and some of it straight up is just that the Pac-12 hasn't won enough football games. Other parts of it are, you know, they haven't made enough money. Those two are tied together. There's other stuff like the East Coast just doesn't pay enough attention. And and maybe there are ways to combat that that third piece. You know, again, those first two pieces are what's important. So go get your money. And once you have a good deal, then you can focus on these other things. Um, that's how I see it. That's how I see it. That's what I'd be looking for. Um, again, though, it's... Uh, who, who's to say what is going to happen here? Um, he he did mention that two of these schools have interim presidents. So just on, <laughs> on top of, of everything else, you know, you have a group of, let's see, I guess I might as well read these names since we're this deep into it. Um, CEO Group's Executive Committee. There are the leaders in this process. Washington's Anna Marie Kaus, Washington State's Kirk Schultz, Oregon's Michael Schill, uh, and he is the chair. They also added Phil DeStefano, who we mentioned earlier, and USC President Carol Folt. You know, it's... If, if Here's what I'll say. If I'm Rick George and I'm watching this coaching search happen... I'm saying, gee, I'm I'm sure disappointed that it's a bunch of university of presidents and not a lot of representatives of the athletics programs that are on these committees. You know, it, maybe it's a dangerous game to say, hey, Mario Cristobal, for example, just a, a college football coach, let's bring you in because you know what you want. And, you know, the, the role of all these people is to reach out to all of the, the people who this decision is important to and see what they think. You know, Phil Stefano is a part of the committee. I'm sure he's having long conversations with Rick George about what he's learning, what he's leaning, where, yeah, where he thinks this should go. And also asking Rick, you know, what do you think? And you just have to hope that that's what's happening with all these people and that they are actually listening. Because there are a lot of people who, you know, if you're a university president, there are a lot of people who have opinions. You know, all the board of regents, they have their thoughts on where this should go. The the boosters for the athletics programs care where this goes. The professors on campus are going to get really fired up if you spend a bunch of money on stuff. You know, and, and because what this decision is, is a decision on the Pac-12's commissioner. You know, a, a purely athletically inclined role, it shouldn't really matter what a bunch of these other people on campus care about. But the way that colleges are kind of built, this bureaucracy, you know, what percentage of, you know, the, the insight that Phil Stefano is gathering from around campus is coming from Rick George? In my opinion, it should be about, it should be about 70%. 
yeah, let's call it 70%. Let's call... Uh, actually, let's call it 60. Let's call it 20% Carl Durrell, 10% Tad Boyle, 5% the rest of your athletics department, um, and 5% everybody else. You know, the Board of Regents, the the president, well, I guess maybe the president should be pretty well. But, but you, you know, that, that's where I'm at. And I just don't know that I buy that all of these people are giving all are thinking about this purely from what is best for the sports, which is what should happen. There's just so many people who want to have opinions about things and sometimes they can weigh down the process. Um, Also, a lot of these people don't, again, maybe stereotyping a little bit, but we've seen some reporting from John Wilner. hints the same thing. Maybe not a whole lot of football fans in this group. And for people to, there's a lot of things that I think have gone wrong with the Pac-12, obviously, for them to be in the position where they are, which, you know, you can fight about how good they are and how talented the rosters are and all the, that sorts of things. Truth is, they don't make a lot of money. Truth is, they haven't, at least for the last few years, won a lot of football games. Now, me personally, I think football-wise, it all goes in cycles. Something Rick George says a lot, but... I do think that the football will rebound here soon. And I think that Colorado can be a good piece of that. Maybe not the end-all, be-all, but a program that at the very least you say, hey, they're going to get us eight wins a year. And sometimes they'll be better than that. So, I don't know. I've, uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of thoughts here. We'll, we'll see what winds up happening. Um, Hopefully they get somebody good. And hopefully they find a way to re-monetize this conference um, because it is a good product. And, you know, that's coming from someone who is not a Pac-12 football fan, not not a huge college football fan at all before I took this job. You know, I was – I grew up in Montana. I watched Montana football. And, and that left me kind of stuck on the FCS game instead of the FBS game. But when I got this job covering Colorado football, you know, I quickly – started to really, really enjoy Pac-12 football. It really is fun. People just need to see it. And, you know, right now, what's hurting it more than anything, even more than, like, the time they play, is just the reputation it has. People are so stuck in the way they think about things. You know, they, they want to have their take. There's this Pac-12 Big Ten thing. And, and we enjoyed it, too. When the Big Ten was losing out of that basketball tournament, I mean, it was incredible while the pac 12s just flying by everybody. But those rivalries, you know, they turn into, well, the Pac-12 sucks. And then the Pac-12 saying, well, it's only been three years that we've sucked. And people just aren't all that willing to change their minds. They like to be negative about things. And when people like to be negative about things, that's just it just sucks. Because Pac-12 football is fun. Is it chaotic? Yeah. It's fun. That's fine. I don't know. I'm obviously out of things to say. Um... I will end on this. There is plenty of reason for hope. You know, you you look at Colorado, for example, what they achieved last year, and the steps that I saw on the field on Friday compared to last year. You know, that is a program that's on the upswing. Um, The Arizona State program, I'm a huge fan of that program too, just in terms of, like, what they are doing. I'm not an Arizona State fan, so don't turn that into a thing. But when you look at what Herm Edwards has done and Jaden Daniels coming in there at quarterback, 
I do think that this, to me, should be one of the best offenses in the country this season. And if that happens, then you start to get even better recruits from it and all that. You know, you've got USC. Talk all the shit about USC you want. It still is a sleeping giant, you know? And it's been asleep for a while. It may stay asleep for a while. But you have to think that a competent regime there could could turn that thing into a winner pretty quickly. And you look at what they have right now. They have talented receivers or at receiver, they've got Keaton Slovis at quarterback, somebody who gets seen as a first-round pick because of the, the traits that he has, not necessarily because of how he plays the position. If he takes a step forward, starts to get a little bit better feel in the pocket, doesn't panic, then yeah, there you go. In that air raid system with Graham Harrell running it, that's a great offense. Defensively, you've got Drake Jackson. You've got... USC should be just fine. And... I don't know if it's a Clay Helton thing, to be honest. I think it's a Clay Helton thing. Um, and when Clay Helton gets fired or leaves or whatever happens, the next guy who comes in, he should be able to turn this into a winner. Um, at the same time, there's a reason that Clay Helton's still there. And if if he goes and turns around this season, then there you go. That's another path. Oregon's Oregon. Washington's Washington. Oregon State and Washington State or Oregon and Washington State. I'll give you that. Um, but even there, you've seen some good signs. You've seen some signs that you like. Uh, Utah has turned into a good team. I don't know. What what are we doing right now? Am I just going on rants about... You've got David Shaw out there. I love David Shaw. You know, there's, there's plenty of reason to think that the Pac-12 is going to turn this around. I mean, and they absolutely will. The question is just whether it's going to take two years or seven years or 15 years or if they just keep screwing it up and screwing it up and then it's not 30 years before there's a national champion coming out of this conference um i'd be surprised i'd be surprised i guess that that can probably do it today i do want to talk more i've just kind of run out of things to say about this um well i'll be back tomorrow and I don't know what we're going to talk about. Maybe there'll be a new commissioner for all we know. Uh, maybe we'll finally get into some basketball stuff. Like, I feel like there isn't much to say about the, the basketball recruiting other than like they're ninth in the country. And that means that we haven't talked about them a whole bunch, but I do think maybe we're due for a day where we just enjoy the fact that the buffs are number nine in the country. Um, and I'll just say that over and over and over again. I don't know. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about some fun stuff like we always do. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Hopefully you are too. We'll see you then.